0: So today is our, was it the fourth? Yeah, fourth Sunday of Lent. I had to quickly think about it there, what Sunday. Yeah, okay. Anyway, we're going to continue our Lenten series examining some of those things that we might be better off letting go of. And the next thing we're going to talk about is our lives. Letting our lives go. Now, before we go diving into this, we should probably read the passage up front. I tend to Kind of go off on tangents, and then the passage comes in later. So let's do the passage right at the top today. So we're going to be looking at the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. This is a story found in John chapter eleven. Now, Lazarus, Mary, and Joseph—they are not Mary and Joseph. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha—they are all siblings, and they live in the small village of Bethany. Now, we don't really know how. This happened, or when they met, but Jesus and these three siblings became pretty close friends. We have stories in the varying Gospels of Jesus staying with with this family when he's in town, and they just really developed a really cool bond. Now, chapter 11 opens with Jesus receiving news from Mary and Martha that Lazarus is sick. Now, despite getting this news, Jesus really doesn't seem too concerned. To the point that he just hangs out where he is for an extra couple days. And then decides, all right, let's let's go see what's going on with Lazarus. But seems a little odd to me, but 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 okay, we'll we'll explore that a little later why. Now eventually Jesus leaves and comes to Bethany, arrives, but he arrives too late. Lazarus is dead. And he's been dead for a few days now. He has a brief meeting with Martha and then comes down to see Mary. And this is where we'll pick up our story. So I'm going to start reading in John 11, starting in verse 32. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you lain him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews there were saying, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and the stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. And then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you would always hear me. But because of the people standing around, I said it. So that they might believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him, let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done, believed him. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here, but I want to start with a quick just literary question. When you read this passage, who do you most readily identify with in it? I know this is, this might change depending on what season of life you're in and all that, but for me, I find that I most often resonate with the people in verse 37. The ones that said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? I think a lot of us would say we fall into the same group as well. I mean, Jesus could have prevented this entire thing from happening. Right? Why put Mary and Martha through this? I mean, Jesus, you you came and sat with them in their sorrows. You even wept with them. But was it necessary for that sorrow to happen? You, You could have prevented him from dying, right? So surely, why didn't you do that in the first place? Why put everyone through these few days of pain and grieving for Lazarus? Well, a lot of the time, the gospel stories, we have these background characters, right? You know, these characters are, they're seemingly calling out Jesus. And a lot of the time, we look at them and scoff, like, oh, how how could you think that? You're just, you know, unbelieving. In this case, my first initial reaction is, I'm kind of on board with that group of people. Jesus, what are you doing? Why do this? But I think a lot of that comes from that idea of we're still holding on tightly to our lives. We're not letting go, I'm not letting go of my life. Now, when we say things like we gotta let go of our life, we often think in terms of physical sacrifice or financial sacrifice, right? We're willing to let go or give up some elements of our lives for the safety or for the spread of the gospel to show Jesus' love. I mean, our River Tree shirts even have that idea printed right in the back. I probably should have wore one so I could turn around and show you, but what's on the back of our shirts, right? It's Jesus saying, you know, we need to be laying down our lives for one another. There is no greater gift than that. But I might argue that this is only part of the idea. When we talk about giving up our lives, that kind of the stuff we think about, that physical side of it is part of it. And I would argue, honestly, maybe even the easier part. What might be the harder side is for us to let go of the concept of what our lives entail. If we think about our lives in terms of we're born, we live, if we're lucky, we grow old and we die. We think about our lives in those terms, right? We think about it maybe like in the opening scene of Up. That gut-wrenching opening montage. If you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You, you would be lying to me if you say you can watch that and not shed a tear. Because you cannot. <laughs> but it's, that is not the life that Jesus came to give us. Jesus came to give us eternal life. Life beyond what we think of as life. Life so much bigger and grander than we could ever anticipate. So here's an example of what I mean. kind of a silly example, but just roll with me here. A couple years ago, I played a video game called The Witcher 3. Now, when I got it, I did not know a lot about it. I got it pretty early, right after it came out. So, a lot of news about it hadn't come out. I knew virtually nothing. I knew it was a fantasy game based off of a series of old books. Great, that sounds fun. So I start playing it, and it, it is fun. You play this witcher, this character, who basically, you're a monster hunter. Great, I get to go kill fantasy monsters. Have a fun time. Fun, fun, fun. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, the writing in it's actually good. That's one of those jokes about video games. If you've ever played them, is the, the writing, especially the voice acting in video games, is often just atrocious. But in this one, it's actually good. Anyway, the, the map, it, it's not huge. There's you know a, a main village, there's some outlying areas, there's, uh, I think there's some wooded areas. You know, there's, it, it's, it, it's fine, it's fun. I seem to be coming to the end of the section, the end of the game. You know, but I'm having a really, really good time, so I want to extend it as much as possible. So I'm exploring every nook and cranny. I'm chasing down every, you know, side quest I can do. But seemingly, the game's coming to an end. I've put in 10-12 hours at this point of the game. You know, I got it used, so I had, you know, I didn't pay that much for it, so it's, thus far it's been a pretty good deal. Sadly though, it seems to be coming to an end, but I've stretched it out as long as I could. So I just go with the main story, go to finish the game. Little do I know that when I do what I think is the end of the game, a big cutscene happens. This dude comes in, who I really haven't seen before, and makes some comment of like, oh, now this plan didn't work. We have to go to this area to try something. I'll mark it on your map. Great. Open up the screen to pull up the map. The map is different from when I last looked at it. It is massive now. And I realize I've been playing the tutorial opening section. The entire game is so much bigger than this. And I actually looked before I started recording this. To date, I have put in a little over 200 hours into this game. I haven't played it in quite a while, but. So this opening 10 to 12 hours I was having, the fun I had there was just a taste. The real game was opening up to me. Everything I had done to this point was just teaching me how the game was going to work. The real game was now about to begin. And while this might feel like a weird comparison, I think it really gets at this idea that our lives are so much bigger than we realize. It gets at this idea really nicely. And that, all right, that the lives we have here, we often think of as the end-all, be-all. But in reality, kind of what we're doing here is our prologue in the grand story that will carry us through all of eternity. Now, think back to our passage and to the people that were questioning why Jesus would let Lazarus die. If we approach this story and this situation, kind of thinking about our earthly lives as the opening to our eternal life, we can see some different things at play here. Suddenly, we can start to see a little bit of the bigger picture. In this case, the bigger picture comes from Jesus knowing that the, from the moment he hears that Lazarus is sick, that he is going to die, but that he is also going to be raised. He. And, what's more, is Jesus knows the significance of this event. Jesus knows that Lazarus has to die for things to fall into place. Because if you look at the biblical text, the gospel text, kind of by itself, just as a pure narrative story, the raising of Lazarus is really the last straw or the key event that spurs Jesus' opponents to arrest him, because immediately after this event, some of the people that are there run back to the Sanhedrin and tell them what has happened, and they immediately lay plans to arrest Jesus. So had Lazarus not died, Jesus would not have been able to raise him, and thus Jesus probably would not have been crucified shortly thereafter. So we start to see some interesting kind of balance here someone being dead for a few days you know the pain and grief that that causes is on one hand and on the other balance is the eternal salvation of everyone we start to see an interesting play here but one more thing i want to highlight about this story is that jesus in no way looks over or glosses past the pain of Mary and Martha. Jesus sits with them, mourns with them. Their pain is very real and Jesus acknowledges that and comforts them in that moment. This really gets at the idea that our lives here on earth, while they are only a small sample of the eternal life we have coming, that is not meant to diminish our lives, our existence here in a negative way. We're not saying that the joy you feel in life, the pain, the sorrow, all of these things, the love, that they're not real or that they don't matter because they are real and they matter a great deal. They're just not the end. They're not the end-all be-all of what our lives will eventually be. So, when we think about the idea, the notion of letting go of our lives, I would challenge us, myself included, to not only think about letting go of the everyday things, letting go of the sacrificial things, but also try to let go of the notion what our lives really are, the true scope of our lives. Because God didn't send Jesus to earth to live, to suffer and to die to save our earthly lives or to make our earthly lives easier or necessarily better. Rather, Jesus came and died and rose to save our eternal lives, to save our souls. And as hard as it might be to think about or to believe, we are still living and playing the tutorial section of what'll ultimately be our lives. We're still figuring out the controls. We're still trying to get a handle on things. So that when we step into the wide expanse, the ever-growing map that is our eternal lives, our game can truly begin. But at the same time, we need to enjoy the tutorial, soak it in, love it, but just know that there is so much more waiting for us. And the sooner we can let go of the notion that our lives are just contained to our physical time on Earth, the sooner we can embrace and live into the amazing truth of the eternal life that awaits us. Join me as we pray. Dear Lord, we humbly thank you that you are a God who cares about our souls who cares about our eternal lives. And we thank you that you cared enough to send Jesus, your son, to ensure that we can have eternal life. And not only that, we can have eternal life with you. And for that, Lord, we cannot thank you enough. We cannot praise you enough. So Lord, we just, Ask that we could continue to walk in your ways. That we could continue to not only live in the present moment of our lives here, but also realize that our lives here are a drop in the infinite expanse of our eternal lives. Lord, we just ask that you would walk with us, stand with us, and bless us as we go throughout our separate ways this week. In your precious name we pray, amen.